Hello and welcome to the UK SIF Leadership Podcast. It's Oscar here on day seven of COP26 discussing UK leadership on the just transition. We're really pleased to be joined by Nick Robbins. Nick is a professor in practice for sustainable finance at the Grantham Research Institute on Climate Change and the Environment at the London School of Economics. Uh, he's our first speaker for our podcast today. Uh, we'll later be speaking to the Rathbone Greenback Investment Sustainability team, uh, Kate Elliott and Sophie Lawrence. Uh, so, Nick, uh, let's get straight into it, if that's all right. It'll be really good to hear perhaps about some of your recent priorities, uh, including your work helping lead the Financing and Just Transition Alliance at the Institute. Thanks. Yeah, it's really good. Good to be with you, Oscar. Uh, I think what's happened over the last year is that as investors and governments uh, and, and others have got more serious about net zero, the question has really arisen, sort of, well, how are we going to deliver that? It's, it's fine to have these 2050 targets, but how are we going to deliver that? And as soon as you start thinking about that, you start thinking about uh, the, the implications for people. Uh, and that's what the Just Transition is all about. It's all about, as it says in the Paris Agreement, to ensure as we move towards a net zero resilient economy, we think about the interests of, of workers. So we're delivering decent jobs, the, the, the new jobs in the green economy are decent. We're also thinking about potential for vulnerabilities for workers and communities as we move away. So as sort of to avoid stranded workers, stranded assets. Um, and we're also trying to, so as we're calling it, so I think shape the shift so that not only to deliver these net zero goals, but we use that transformational moment to really power ahead with the S of, uh, of, of ESG. So it's lots of momentum that's happening. Um, and as you mentioned, the Financing and Just Transition Alliance, it's a UK body, about 40 organisations, number of EXIF members, EXIF member itself, banks, um, got the British Business Bank involved, the TUC, regional bodies, academics, and so on. And it's really saying, well, how do we take this sort of very high level concept and dr drive it through into practical things that investors can do with their uh, portfolios? And so our report, uh, Just Zero, came out last week. Um, and I, thought, I think got a really good response on the back of the government's net zero strategy. And in the UK, I suppose, in, in a sense, the message in, in a political sense is sort of, net zero plus leveling up equals just transition. So it's very much about how we join these agendas, which are often sadly uh, disconnected and therefore has a very big focus on place and region um, and so on. We've also just released a, a re another piece with a more global focus and looking at how investors and others can uh, really promote uh, the just transition in as we shift away from coal. So this was with the Powering Past Coal Alliance, and that's obviously going to be a big, big theme for COP, for COP um, and particularly for developing countries, which often are still very, very coal-based. So again, how do we move away from coal, accelerate the transition, but do that in a way which actually is net positive in terms of impact for workers and communities? That's great. Thanks very much, Nick. Um, you mentioned the first report, which UK SIF was very pleased to contribute to as a member of the Alliance. And, uh, you know, for those of us listening in, many of you will be members of UK SIF. Um, just to give a bit of an overview on some of the main takeaways, um, you know, in that report, Nick, it would be really interesting to hear, I'm sure, for, for many of those tuning in. 
Yeah, so so the report, uh, as I said, looked at how we translate this sort of um, high-level imperative into practical action. There are recommendations uh, for institutions, which I'll go into, and then also policy recommendations, particularly what governments uh, need to do, with a particular focus in the UK on the, the, the regional uh, implications. And again, the message is that just transition is not a separate subject. It's part of your overall approach to climate and sustainability, and indeed would apply equally to dealing with issues such as biodiversity as, as just dealing with issues such as climate. So the five recommendations for, for finance institutions is make sure that just transition is in your strategy. A number of investment companies have put just transition in terms of their responsible investment policies, their climate policies, and so on, and obviously signal that down the chain, particularly if you're an asset owner. The second, obviously, is incorporate that into your stewardship and engagement activities. The report ha actually highlights some very nice examples where UK investors, Royal London Asset Management, Friends Providence, have been uh, engaging with companies, uh, utility companies. As a result of that, the utility SSE came forward with a first plan on just transition. Um, and again, has just recently update that to show what they're doing, particularly in terms of what that means for, for their workers. So again, I think it's a good example seeing just transition can be quite a, a, a positive way of, of engaging with companies. Um, third is then capital allocation. Obviously, we want to think about particular assets. Um, um, and so the fourth area for investor action is policy dialogue, engaging with governments to put in place the, policy, the, the frameworks. Clearly, investors are engaging a lot with governments on what's needed on the sort of on climate policy and so on. And similarly, uh, investors can engage and are engaging. In fact, we sent a letter to the prime minister on what investors need to see in terms of just transition. So that would be in terms of skills policy, uh, the Green Jobs Task Force, in terms of regional policy, uh, and also in terms of particular initiatives to make the just transition come alive. And uh, we've promoted the idea of a just transition commission um, based on the experience in Scotland, which really shows how the sort of different voices from across society, from across regions can really be channeled in so we get effective um, action. Uh, so that was that was the fourth area. That's great. Thanks very much, Nick. Um, it'd be great to turn to perhaps some of the policy recommendations outlined in uh, the report. Uh, at UK SIF, you know, we strongly support the call for a UK Just Transition Commission based on, as you say, Scotland's experience to really bring about a bit of clarity and consensus on, you know, what, what should be the key components that constitute a just transition? How do we prioritise certain points over others? And how could a commission actually help, you know, identify the priorities uh, for different policy areas that align with the UK government's current levelling up agenda. So yeah, Nick, a bit of an overview for those of us um, uh, listening in on the policy recommendations would be great. Yeah, well, let's start with the, the Just Transition Commission. So, I mean, famously, whenever there's a problem in the UK, you set up a committee or a commission. So it's not designed to be a sort of bureaucratic quango, um, but it really to, I think, be a practical place where business and trade unions and investors and regions and policymakers and so on can really sort of come together on a sort of a, a, a common view about how we make sure that the net zero climate transition deals effectively with this issue of fairness, which is the just transition of inclusion and does it across the country. So one of the things I think uh, would be very useful for the Just Transition Commission would be to highlight where the just transition factors and priorities fit in terms of different sectoral roadmaps. Clearly, we need to move ahead on, on, on housing and buildings, on the energy sector, um, on agriculture, on industry, and clearly, let's say, let's say the energy sector, 
We've got a very positive transition going on in the North Sea with offshore wind growing. We also have the inevitable decline of offshore oil and gas. So clearly, that would be a place where you could have a, se a se sector focus really putting focus on, on, on the just transition. And similarly, the building sector, again, we're going to need to really recruit huge numbers of workers for that, that um, retrofit sector. Again, how do we ensure that those, those jobs are, are good jobs, they're skilled, that these really connect with community priorities and so on. So I think the just transition can really help on those sort of identifying sector priorities. Um, and then also, I think, bringing this uh, regional dimension. Uh, this will be very different if you're going to be in the Yorkshire and Humber region, or if you're going to be in rural regions or, or metropolitan uh, London. So our experience, again, we heard from Jim Ski, who's the chair of the, of the Scottish Just Transition Commission. And he, he actually said it did add value, because obviously we, in the UK, we already have the really good um, uh, climate change committee, which is a lot of analysis and holds government to account. But this is the Justice Commission would be slightly different because it's more multi-stakeholder, more regional, and so on. So it would uh, would um, would add value. Um, there are other recommendations um, we we can we can go in uh, as well. I think particularly thinking about the role that um, sort of public finance can play to help crime and private capital. We have the new UK Infrastructure Bank uh, with a net zero and local uh, sort of development goal. Again, how can that be an anchor institution? British Business Bank has been really ramping up its work on SMEs. Uh, and again, that's, a, that's an area for, for just transition across the country. And then this, this area of green sovereign bonds. Um, so we've had the first couple of green sovereign bonds in the UK, a commitment to social co-benefits. But I think going forward, um, that green sovereign bond tool could be really used uh, to be focusing on particular uh, just transition priorities. Thanks very much, Nick, for, for that great overview. And it's good to see a lot of overlap between sort of our work and the institutes. And then you're clearly a lot, a lot of our policy asks in this agenda have been reflected in the final report, which is great to see. So we've got very similar asks on things like uh, incorporating social goal benefits into the UK government's green guilts uh, programme and also having the Just Transition um, Commission. Um, I suppose it makes sense for us to turn to COP26. Um, and we could hear your thoughts, Nick, on you know what would be some of the good outcomes coming out of COP in delivering on the Just Transition agenda? And realistically, you know, what can policymakers drive further forward here during COP? Well, well I think there, there are quite a few things sort of lined up for COP on Just Transition. Clearly, COP is hosted in the UK, but it's primarily a global agenda. So we'll see a ministerial declaration on Just Transition come out, uh, I think, on the Energy Day, um, which, again, I think highlights that as we as we drive ahead on on net zero energy transition, just transition is 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 key. Um, we'll we'll also see uh, particular initiatives around financing. So climate finance, the hundred billion, really sad, shameful failure of industrialized countries to to reach that hundred billion in climate finance developing countries. But we'll actually see some specific examples where through the climate investment funds. Um, public finance is being used to accelerate the phase out of coal and incorporating just transition. So that will be uh, really good to see with focus on India uh, and, and South Africa. We'll also see, which I think is really helpful, um, an initiative coming out of the corporate sector. Does the just transition has been led initiated by the labor movement, a number of countries have picked it up, uh, investors are as well. But this is an initiative from the Council of Inclusive Capitalism, working with the Vatican, uh, with Cardinal Turkson, and also chaired by uh, Bernard Looney, the CEO of BP. And they'll be coming through with their framework on a just energy transition, a number of CEOs behind that. So again, I think that that is another sign 
that as we get serious about implementation on net zero, the just transition becomes a question of the, the how. How do we do this in terms of the people dimension? Um, so that will be that will be uh, coming through as well. And then we'll be um, having uh, uh, a launch, actually, of the Just Zero report. One thing I think it is interesting, looking across uh, the COP, is that the gender dimension of the transition will come up very, very strongly, which is really important to see. Um, clearly, the status quo at the moment, let's say, in the energy sector is very gender imbalanced, largely male. And this is where the just transition is an, an area where we can actually shape this transition so we actually get a much better outcome in terms of a much more gender balanced uh, workforce. That's fantastic. Thank Nick. Thanks, Nick. And it's so good to see uh, this issue featuring so prominently on the agenda at COP26, among everything else that is going on. I suppose one thing that we need to sort of collectively tackle policymakers, industry regulators and others is the sort of the politics of the just transition and combating this perception of the sort of costs of the transition. And I suppose, you know, Nick, you know, what are some of the things that you think we should be saying to policymakers during the COP summit to really improve their understanding um, of a just transition and why this really matters? Yeah, I mean, I think the all the evidence uh, shows that not just is, is, is the transition necessary, but it's best framed in terms of an investment. So I think sometimes we use the words wrongly. So we need to invest in the net zero transition, and that will yield a, a whole series of returns, environmental returns, reduced emissions, health returns, improved health, human health, and for investors, investment returns, because these will be better long-term uh, investments. And I think what has happened in, we're essentially in the second phase of the just transition narrative. The sort of first phase, it emerged at Paris, and then we had pretty quickly two shocking examples. We had President Trump pulling out of the US, largely talking about just transition, largely talking about the, the risk for coal jobs. And then we obviously had the Gilets Jaunes protests in France about a sort of carbon tax. And I think policymakers and, and, and investors and corporates are listening. And actually, we've got the EU coming forward very strongly with just transition, Scotland in, in, within the UK, uh, South Africa. Uh, and when Joe Biden talks climate, he talks jobs, jobs, jobs. So I, I think we're in that sort of second phase now, um, recognizing that unless we consciously design the sort of human dimension, workers, communities, suppliers, consumers into policy design, we're inevitably going to get this backlash. And then all the risks we see with climate change are going to crystallize and we're going to see those come to pass, uh, unfortunately. So so I hopefully I think that that that, that narrative uh, is now is now getting through. I think that's really pricing to hear. And I suppose you know the UK as the president of COP twenty six, and also I suppose also through our experience of, of managing our own seismic economic transition in the nineteen eighties, you know, should perhaps you know help the UK play a leadership role and making sure that the just transition is part of the kind of dialogue that we have with countries. You know, at summits like COP, but then also at the G seven and the G twenty. I suppose. Any reflections, Nick, on the sort of potential for a sort of a more active and robust kind of UK global leadership role on the just transition? It'd be interesting to hear um, what you make of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in, in many ways, sadly, um, the UK transition away from from coal in the 1980s is seen as sort of almost what not to do. Um, obviously, that was a hugely political process, but it, but in a sense, we know it left huge scarring, economic and social scarring across the country, many of which the legacy is still uh, with us today. And I think it's it's interesting reading through, but sort of in a sense across the political spectrum, very interesting paper out of the Conservative Environment Network about the North Sea transition, very clearly from the conservative point of view, highlighting we cannot repeat that with this, uh, this transition. So in many ways, this is one of the first transitions 
we have the opportunity to consciously shape. Um, all the evidence suggests that this will be more job rich. We can also make this good in terms of high quality jobs. Again, that's a narrative, certainly in the UK, that all parties um, are behind. I think the real question is then about sort of how we translate these desires for joining up into uh, practical action. And again, I think that's something that investors can do very well. Um, I think uh, taking the initial examples of the investor engagement that's happened in the utility sector, taking that into mining, into oil and gas, the house builders, and indeed with banks, I would say, because banks will have an important role. I think by being very practical in terms of what they expect their, their, their sort of the companies they invest in are doing, that then evidence can come back to governments and saying, actually, governments, we need you to do this as well. We need you to do this in terms of skills policy, uh, in terms of coordination through Just Transition Commission, in terms of regional policy and so forth. Thanks very much, Nick. Um, we're coming towards the end of our podcast, um, unfortunately, for today, but there's so much more, of course, we could have covered. But I suppose, Nick, you know, le leaving um, our members with any sort of, you know, final messages uh, for them in terms of how they can sort of practically integrate uh, just transition considerations into their investment decisions uh, and policies or any sort of reports or, or, you know, separate to the Alliance's recent report, of course, um, that they may turn to going forward. Well, of course, the first recommendation is to read the report, um, uh, which you can find on our website. And what is nice to see is actually um, that UCSIF is a member, a number of other sort of uh, investor associations are members. The Local Authority Pension Fund Forum has just come out with their report. Um, and what is good is that it's not just a surprise that the recommendations are the same. So UCSIF recommendations and, and the recommendations of the Alliance, but it's a good thing. It's deliberately designed so we have a convergent set of recommendations, both for uh, financial institutions, but also for the government. So it's very, very clear. Um, and, and again, the key, I think, now is to sort of wake up on the on November the 15th and Monday, hopefully COP will have finished by then, um, and really think as we move forward and accelerate, particularly in the UK on our net zero strategy, that we're consciously putting in place um, this, this sort of social lens, as it were. And I think probably, I, I think the area to focus on would be the sort of emerging market developing country dimension of people's portfolios, whether those are the assets in UK listed assets, uh, the sovereign bonds of emerging markets, or sort of assets that are held um, in listed companies in developing countries and so on. This is where um, the real test of the just transition will come because actually these countries, uh, because we've been so slow on climate change, will need to make the transition much quicker. And so making sure that climate action delivers on their development priorities will be absolutely essential. So perhaps that's the place to look next, I think, in terms of investor action. Thanks very much, very much Nick. It's been a really terrific conversation. I, I really enjoyed uh, speaking to you about this um, and we've covered so much ground. Uh, we'll shortly be speaking to representatives from um, Rathbury and Green Bank Investments to continue this conversation. That's Kate Elliott and Sophie Lawrence. But for now, thanks very much, Nick. Hello, it's James and Sally here to let you all know about our podcast sponsor. This COP26 series of the UK CIF Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Lion Trust. We're delighted to have them involved. Lion Trust is a specialist fund management company that was founded in 1995. And as of July 2021, they had £34 billion in assets under management. Their aim is to have a positive impact on their investors, stakeholders and society.
We're so pleased to have them on board for this series. Without the support of our partners, the podcast would not be able to happen. So without further interruption, let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to part two of our UK Civ Leadership podcast on UK leadership on the just transition. This is the second part of our conversation following an excellent chat we had with Nick Robbins, the Professor in Practice for Sustainable Finance at the Grantham Research Institute on Climate Change and the Environment at the London School of Economics. For the second part of a discussion, we're joined by Kate Elliott and Sophie Lawrence from Rathbone Greenback Investments, the sustainability arm of Rathbones. Um, Kate and Sophie are members of Rathbone Green Bank Investments Sustainability Research Team. And they're here today to discuss their recent report on the just transition. Thanks so much, Kate and Sophie, for joining us uh, for our conversation today. It's great to have you both um, here. Um, I think we're good to start uh, with your thoughts, perhaps, Sophie, on what do we actually mean when we're talking about a just transition? Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks for inviting us on, onto this podcast. Um, so it's definitely an important place to start. Um, and really, when we're thinking about a just transi- transition, it's about making sure that the benefits of a transition to a low carbon economy are being shared widely, whilst also supporting those who stand to lose economically from it. And we could be talking about this in terms of countries, regions, industries, communities or workers. So, for example, if we take workers, it's about involving them and anticipating employment shifts helping them to develop new skills and providing social protection. But then we could also think about it from a community perspective. And then when we think about that, it's really understanding what are going to be the spillover effects when we, for example, close a fossil fuel plant. And it might also be about enabling innovations such as community energy. And it's really important because as the transition picks up speed, the location of job losses and employment gains is receiving increasing attention. And we'll come on to see when we talk about our latest report, as well as to make sure that new green jobs are also quality jobs. Um, so that's really what a just transition means when to us at, at Green Bank. That's really helpful to hear, Sophie, and great that you guys are doing this work as well, because you know the just transition means so many different things to so many different people and, and has so many different components. So anyone who's doing some work in the space to try and sort of bring a bit of clarity to this area, um, it's something that you know UK CIF um, and the team here are very much welcome. Um, you mentioned the report, Sophie, um, that was recently published. Um, you'll be great to hear, um, perhaps from from UK. You know, what are some some of the main recommendations that you put forward uh, in your report, and you know, what are some of the practical steps that the sustainable finance sector um, can take to help embed just transition considerations into their decision making? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as as Sophie mentioned, I think one of the key things with the just transition is that those social impacts aren't going to be felt in the same way, in the same place, kind of uniformly across the world or even within regions of of the same country. Um, So what we set about doing with our report, we wanted to use the UK as a case study and we wanted to look at at the impact on jobs at at different points. So kind of in the near term, looking at 2025, then 2030, and then out to the long term to 2050. And looking specifically at the green transition, so holding all those other mega trends like kind of demographic change and technological developments, holding all of those steady, but thinking what are the industries at risk and what are the industries that are likely to grow and where will the jobs um, arise out of that? And while we saw a really positive kind of 
overall picture that by 2050 we can see probably half a million new jobs created across the UK as a direct result of, of the green um, and low carbon transition. There are obviously a lot of job losses built into that. Net picture still overwhelmingly positive across every region, but we did identify um, some key actions for, for the investment community to take just to really ensure that kind of we're not losing sight of the human impact of those job losses and we're not kind of being blinded by statistics and just seeing well this is a, a kind of overall great picture but we've lost those those kind of human stories and it's really important that as with any big transition um you've got the right policies and planning and, and support built in so that we really can take account of of those social impacts um, and in our report, we set out five key recommendations um, for the investment community. So firstly, just begin by incorporating the just transition into your responsible investment strategies. Think about what that means in the context of, of your own approach to investment and how you might begin kind of thinking about it and integrating it. Um, look at ways that you can allocate capital to the, the communities that need it most. Again, that could vary by by the financial um, institution the kind of the type of investment that that you're undertaking for a bank it might be direct investment into particular regions it might be developing innovative pod products that really allow a much more localized approach to investment we also looked at recommendations of course around engagement and stewardship i think that's a really powerful role that that everyone within the financial community kind of big or small um can play with this and and really think about how they can nudge companies into the right um direction the right way of thinking really taking into account uh kind of social responsibilities um, finally our, our other recommendations are around uh, due diligence into emerging green economy industries. Uh, I think it can often be the case that we get a little bit excited, we just focus on the environmental impacts um, and we can't lose sight of the fact that we want to make sure kind of decent work is, is baked into these companies from the outset so that as they grow we get good quality jobs in addition to, to quantity. And then the final recommendation was really around uh, just keeping a watching brief on, on the just transition. We know it's a complex issue. We know that it's going to develop in different ways over time. And it's important that, that investors and, and other stakeholders keep on top of it and are able to react to those, those developments as they emerge. That's great. Thanks very much, Kate. You mentioned at one point the role of investor stewardship, and clearly that is going to be really important um, in ensuring a fair and just transition. Um, Sophie, we could to get your take. You know, have there been any good examples, you know, today of, of positive engagement from from the industry um, in this area? Clearly, there's a lot to be done, but yeah, interested to hear. Are there any sort of recent good case studies? I suppose of good stewardship and action. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, I just wanted to take a step back, actually, because I will probably have some people listening where investor engagement isn't a, a term that everyone's familiar with. So just briefly, kind of what we mean by that. So shareholder engagement is, is the process by which we as investors in public companies can leverage our position as shareholders to influence corporate decision making. Um, and this can really take various forms from sort of informal meetings that we have with management um, all the way through to kind of more formal measures such as filing shareholder resolutions. So as Kate mentioned, you know, we can use this as a tool to make sure that companies are prioritising a just transition. 
Um, and really how we can do that practically is we can integrate the just transition into the engagement that we're having on a company's climate transition plans. So that can include us thinking about kind of workplace issues such as social dialogue, the training and skills and redeployment that a company is offering, um, as well as how they're managing their supply chain and community relations uh, with respect to the just transition. Um, and a really positive step we've seen recently is that Climate Action 100 Plus, which is the investor coalition, which is now, um, I think, 450 plus investors um, engaging with uh, the, 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 the global kind of highest carbon impact um, companies, has integrated a just transition component into what it's asking um, of companies throughout, throughout the engagement. Um, but I also wanted to briefly mention you know, there's often this temptation to only think about the just transition in the context of the high carbon intensive sectors, which are definitely really important. Um, but we also need to be thinking about it for a much broader range of industries. Um, and one that we have been engaging with uh, a lot in the last couple of years is social housing. Um, so social housing and sorry, not just social housing, but housing in the UK um, accounts for about 15 percent of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and we need to, as investors, ensure that any housing associations um, have viable decarbonisation strategies. Um, but also, we need to make sure that they're looking after their residents in the process. Um, so Green Bank actually engaged with 20 social housing providers in the UK regarding their tenant wellbeing and energy performance. Um, and we were early adopters of the Sustainable Reporting Standard for Social Housing which was established in 2020 to address gaps in the transparency and comparability of ESG reporting. So this has been a really positive engagement for us. Um, and following this engagement, 19 out of the 20 providers have now signed up to this reporting standard. Um, and this is going to be really important as it's going to be able to help investors like us um, think about how they're going to be taking the transition um, going ahead with the transition and achieving reductions in emissions, all while protecting tenant well-being. Um, and just briefly, another really positive engagement in this area um, has been the Financing a Just Transition Alliance, which was established by the Grantham Institute at the London School of Economics. And this programme is really designed to identify the role that finance can play in connecting action on climate change with inclusive development and prioritising a just transition. Um, and there's some really interesting reports on how investors can engage in this area through that work. Um, so that's that's what I would say there. Really interesting work happening. That sounds very promising, Sophie. And yeah, we were also very pleased to be members of, of the Alliance. Um, and um, yeah, no, really pleased to contribute to their work. And I think they've got reports that will be launched during uh, COP26, perhaps um, as, as we speak. Um, speaking of COP, um, we, we really should be talking about COP. Obviously, we're here on, on day seven of COP26. Um, you know, perhaps turning to you, Kate, you know, what are some of your expectations for policymakers at COP you know, in making progress on a just transition? You know, are there one or two positive outcomes that you think um, we could take out of COP to drive forward this agenda? Interested to hear your thoughts, Kate. Yeah, for, firstly, I think very important to remember that the just transition is included in the, the text of the Paris Agreement. So it's something that absolutely should be on the agenda um, within the talks and, and kind of first and foremost in, in the minds of, of world leaders. It, it's in there in, in the text, um, kind of specifically saying that uh, kind of national governments, when they're setting their uh, climate ambitions and their decarbonisation targets that they should have regard to the, the kind of quality and the quantity of, of jobs being created and the impact, positive and negative in that sense. 
And we can see some some kind of good examples of of leadership pre-COP in this regard, kind of <laughs> particularly relevant for, for these talks. The Scottish government in, in 2019 set up a, a just transition commission, bringing together experts to set recommendations and, and really guide um, government action on this. And I think that's something that it would be positive to see uh, more, com- more countries and more governments explicitly uh, kind of setting up these these commissions. We've seen a lot of, I guess, increasing commentary and increasing um, where where the kind of concept of the just transition is is sneaking into the way in which which politicians are talking about it. So you look at kind of Biden and the infrastructure growth plans in the US. A lot of that is underpinned by the thinking of the just transition, but we're just maybe not quite at the point where people are happy labeling it as that and talking about it really proactively. And I think it's really important that we make that next step so that kind of investors, wider stakeholders, citizens really understand what it is we're talking about and really see that it's not a zero-sum game between environmental sustainability and, and social equality. You can achieve both of those hand in hand. Completely agree with you, Kate. Um, and Sophie, I don't know if you've got a few thoughts on, on expectations for policymakers um, during COP. Yeah, so I think earlier we talked about the different levels that you can think about the just transition on. And one of those is, is countries. Um, and I think that the really relevant issue here is around kind of climate financing support for, for developing nations. Um, and we saw this is, is really kind of front of mind right now um, with India announcing their net zero by 2070 commitment earlier in the week. Um, and them calling for um, climate financing levels to be 10 times the level um, that that they currently are. Um, And and I think that's a really important uh, piece that we want to try and see agreed um, at COP26 within the next couple of weeks, a commitment to climate financing um, and hopefully a ratcheting up of existing kind of climate financing that was committed in, in the Paris Agreement. Thanks very much, Sophie. That has been one of the key issues and flashpoints of COP26 so far, but hopefully by the time we've uh, finished our series, we'll have further progress towards that uh, rather elusive $100 billion uh, target. Um, We're coming perhaps towards the end uh, of our podcast uh, today. Um, I suppose very mindful that a lot of those listening in will be UK CIF members, so, you know, asset managers, pension funds, IFAs, and others touching on sustainable finance in the UK. Um, you know, Kate, I don't know if you've got, you know, one or two final messages um, for our members on how they can consider this issue and perhaps start to integrate um, the just transition into some of their thinking and decision making. Well, first, first step, if if it's for members who are kind of new to this concept, would really be to start breaking down some of those silos that we often have in place. We, we think about ESG issues, so environmental, social and governance, and we often think about those in isolation. And the key point of the just transition is that kind of when we talk about sustainability, all of these issues are interdependent. So we need to start thinking about kind of climate change in the context of human rights, about decent work in the context of kind of low carbon technology. So I think that's very much the first step of moving out of the silos that that we've perhaps got a little bit complacent about thinking in um, and taking that more holistic view of of how these different factors interconnect. Thanks very much, Kate. Sophie, any final messages for UK CIF members to take away? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, we've touched on a lot of the practical things that investors can do already. Um, but I would encourage um, members to think, you know, as I said, just not not just about the kind of, you know, high carbon impact um, sectors, but really integrating this um, into into any kind of engagement that they're, you know, that they're doing. We're all going to have to move um, as we see the, the the move to a low carbon transition. So it's really important that it becomes embedded um, in, in, in the questions that we're really asking of companies um, much broader than just those high carbon intensive sectors. Thanks so much, Sophie. And thanks so much, Kate. I think that brings us to the end of our, our conversation, unfortunately. Um, I've really enjoyed chairing this discussion and we've covered a lot of the ground. Um, just to say to our listeners, don't forget to like, subscribe and tune in to our other episodes coming up throughout COP26 in Glasgow. You can find us on Twitter at UKSIF, all one word. Speak very soon. Thanks. Thanks.